Hello, world. Welcome to the Mile High Fi podcast. My name is Carl Jensen, and I am with my co-host. I'm Doug Huntington. Doug, how's life? Things are awesome. It is... Uh... It's a great day. I think I'm well caffeinated and we had a, a wonderful sound check. So people uh, definitely stick around afterwards. We're going to play that little blooper reel. So I'm a little giggly. How are you today? <laughs> I'm doing real good. I'm happy with the new year. I have taken one of your New Year's resolutions, which is to stop spending so much time on social media. And basically that's checking Twitter feeds for information on certain stocks. So I've stopped doing that and I've realized it's a life enhancer. Um, one thing I say too often to people is that I'm too busy to do X, Y, or Z. And it's not that I'm too busy. It's just that I don't make time for it. I make time for stupid shit like scrolling on Twitter and wasting time on that. And number one, that's bad because it's a waste of time that'll lead to no net benefit to your life. And you could be at number two. I think it makes you unhappy sitting there on Twitter. It's it's not good. Other activities in life are better for you. Yeah. In contrast, I've been trying to do more on Twitter, and I realize that it's a big waste of time. People are just arguing about dumb shit that doesn't matter, trying to prove their point to each other, and they just disagree. So I may, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back down. I'm not sure how I'm going to use it in a useful way, but maybe catch ifs. Those are usually pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Twitter and social media in general is a horrible place. People will say things to each other that they would never say in person. I, I think I told you some rude things about you like a couple of years ago on Twitter. I don't remember what they were, but I would never say those things to you in person. I like you, Doug. Like, what was I thinking that day? I'm just kidding. I did no such thing. But that's what people do on social media. It's pretty tough. And today is a mailbag episode. So we have quite a few questions here. And I think, um, I don't even know if we're going to get through them all. But before we get to it, I'm curious, you know, it's right after the holidays. Do you guys give Christmas gifts? Uh, was there a particular gift that you enjoyed receiving or giving to someone? Uh, we do, but on a very small scale. So the rule for Mindy and I is if we find something that we really think the other person would enjoy, we buy it. And if we can't, if we can't come up with anything, uh, we don't buy it. I lack creativity, so many years Mindy doesn't get anything. <laughs> and it go that goes the other way, too. I don't get anything. Either. So I'd like to tell you about one gift I gave and one gift I received. So one gift I gave, and this one was to Mindy, was uh, this backyard pizza oven. Have you heard about these things, Doug? Or? I have. I love pizza, yeah. Yeah, you got to come over. And the, kind of the whole reason I bought it, I know Mindy likes to cook. She loves to bake. She loves to cook. And she likes to make pizza. So we'll be able to have this thing in our backyard and cook really good pizza uh, very quickly. It gets up to like 900 degrees, just like a professional pizza oven. So it... It should make the same quality pizza that you make that you would get at a really good pizza place. And the other cool thing is it'll be a good social thing. We can invite people over and say, hey, we've got a bunch of doughs. If there's any toppings you really like, bring them over and we'll have a, a pizza party. So I think it'll be a good social lubricant. Nice. Yeah. So I'll Very tell you good. about the one I received, but I'm curious to know about you, Doug. Did you give or receive anything really good? I'll talk about a gift that I received. My wife, it's kind of a joint gift because she's going to be able to use it too. And this is proof that I'm like just an old, old man now. It's uh, like a shower caddy. So we have like a glass door, uh, glass walled uh, shower. You've been in, you've been in there. You know what it's like. No, I'm just kidding. Carl has not been in my shower. But basically 
it um, attaches and you could put your body wash and soap and razor and other accessories that one might need in the shower. And I was like, oh, this is great. I was, I was so excited about it. And it's even better now that we're able to use it. It's just a fantastic gift. I get to use it every day. It's a fucking shower caddy. So now this leads to other questions from me. We're going to go on a tangent. Uh, bear with us, guys. And this comes from my own experience, which I'll tell you about in a second. But how many items do you need in a shower, Doug? How many items are on this shower caddy? Well, I got my body wash. I got my shampoo. Got conditioner. Got my after conditioner. No, I'm just kidding. I, I don't have any, any hair products. But I actually don't have that much stuff. I just have a body wash and like one of those loofah spongy things, you know. And I have a razor in there. A lot of times I'll sh- I shave my head. So a lot of times I'll, you know, have a razor in there to shave. However, my wife has many products in there. And there's not much shelf space in there. So the caddy is kind of a, well, it's my favorite gift this year. So Okay. So you share the caddy with Elizabeth. Is that correct? Right. Okay. Otherwise, I would just have like one bottle and uh, a loofah. <laughs> what do you do with a loofah? Do I want to know? Yeah. I mean, you just, you put the body wash in there and then uh, you suds it up and it's like, you know, washing a car with a sponge or something like that. Okay. Right. Yeah. What, what do you, how do you clean yourself? Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I have to tell you a story, I guess. I had a goofy post about these wall shavers, which I, uh, which I cut my head with, cut my head, which I cut my hair with. Sometimes I do cut my head with it too. And I posted this thing and Wall's like, yeah, yeah, we want to send you a shaver and a bunch of stuff. I'm like, okay. So they sent me a bunch of stuff. And one of the things was a big tube of body wash or a big bottle of body wash. And at first I, I started using it just as it was intended to wash my body. But then I'm like, it's kind of like shampoo. I'm just going to wash my hair with it too. So what this led to is I have one thing that I need in the shower and that's a bottle of body wash. And that's it. It goes for my hair, my body. And it's probably not the recommended usage, but there you have it. Well, I mean, a lot of the body washes are branded that way. It's like face wash, shampoo, body wash, like, I don't know what else kind of sudsy thing you need, but it does it all. So versatile. (laughs) It's great. Yeah. Wall shaver people, if you're listening, thank you very much. And I used to use a a wall shaver um, before I started shaving my head with like a safety razor kind of deal. But um, yeah, the wall razors are great. Fantastic. Not sponsored. We just, we love the product. Yeah. (laughs) So real quick, the best gift I received this year was a bag of chocolate covered pretzels. And that might sound kind of odd, but I think it speaks to how fortunate I am because I don't really need anything in life. If I really want something, I buy it. So, and that's something I would never buy for myself because they're not that great for you, but they taste so freaking good. Do you like chocolate covered pretzels? Yeah, yeah. Chocolate covered nearly anything. I we've we've been eating a lot of sugary things. So yeah. And anything covered with chocolate, I'll check it out. Okay. And uh, on top of that, I got a bag of black licorice, which I love, but most people don't. How about chocolate-covered black licorice? Would you eat that, Doug? You just said chocolate-covered uh, anything. I'd give it a shot. I probably I probably wouldn't like it much. And what you might find is a bowl of licorice in your house. And you're like, I thought this was chocolate-covered as you're eating them. And I'm like, yeah, I sucked all the chocolate off, man. So, so look out for licorice in a bowl. All righty, then. <laughs> 
So before we get rolling with the questions here, thanks a lot for everyone that sent them in. We'll you know give everyone a shout out. I'm wearing a shirt from uh, Tom, and we met Tom in uh, Cincinnati. So shout out! I have forgotten to to wear it uh, many days, many days that we recorded. So I'm wearing it today. So thanks, Tom, for the shirt. And anything else you want to say before we get rolling? I think that's it. Let's get into it. Okay. First one is from Mind Speaks Fi, and this uh, came in via Twitter. So this is around a child's education. So Carl, as Carl reached Fi, are you planning to help your kids financially with their education, i.e. like a parent scholarship? Yeah, this is something I think about frequently. Uh, I did not help, have much help with my education, and I think... It was more valuable to me as a result of that, knowing that I had to pay for it. I majored in something I knew would pay me good money. So I think there's value to having skin in the game and that might, I'm assimilating my experience to everyone else. And that's an error in my thinking too. But I do want my kids to really value their education. I want them to know how much it's going to cost. So I think what I'm going to do is maybe have them take out loans so they see how much it costs and how much debt they're taking out. And then I'll swoop in there at the end and pay their loans off, assuming everything works out and they do well in, in, at university. The other thing I'll say to this, and I've told, I tell my kids this frequently too, is you don't have to go to university. That might not be for everyone. There's plenty of jobs that you can do that you'll make more money and you'll make it in a quicker amount of time because you're not farting around in college for four years. Um, you could be a plumber or an electrician. And especially if you get your own business up and going, you can make far more money. Man, have you seen what it costs to hire a tradesman? It's it's ridiculous. That's why I know how to do everything myself. And I'm not saying they shouldn't, they shouldn't earn that. Um, they have a skill which many people don't want to do. But if you can do that skill, you can make a lot of money. It's kind of like a, a little life hack. You can be a, I had a friend who was a bus driver. He became a plumber. And now I see his van all over town. And he's killed it. That guy, I think my plumber friend makes more money than anyone I know. And I know some people who have like PhDs and sophisticated shit. Wow. Yeah. And one, I, I don't have kids. So I'm, my opinion should be discounted, I think. But let me ask you this. So I, I paid for my education as well. And I did the uh, co-op program, which are you familiar with the co-op programs? So I am not. It's like an internship essentially, but typically you work with the same company over the course of time. So you, I mean, you could actually take on more responsibilities and it's also set up so that you work a quarter and then you go to school a quarter or a semester or whatever. And you, I mean, you earn like decent money. Like at the time I was making, well, I don't know how the dollars translate, but I was making okay money and I was able to pay for my schooling. So the first term that I went to school, I got a loan because everyone was like, you should definitely get a loan. These, these are great terms, get a loan. And then I realized I don't need a loan. I, I mean, I have money saved up and I... I think I should be able to pay for it if I'm doing the co-op. So that's what I did and paid through uh, or and worked through school paying for it. And I have and I th I think a lot of people that did pay for their school they have a lot of pride in it. Like it's a good feeling to do. And like you said, we're trying to apply like how we felt about like paying for our own schooling or cars or whatever. It seems to be 
relatively universal, even if it's a struggle, like we get something out of it. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think we do get something out of it. I remember when I sent my last payment in, I actually kept the note from Fannie Mae. I think that was the loan servicer saying, congratulations, you've paid off your your student loan. And that felt so good. I was so happy to do that. I, I think what you said, the co-op thing makes a lot of sense. But on the other hand, that's probably only applicable to a major that has a direct that you could study and get a job directly from that if you major in something not so great like I did. I was a biology and chemistry major. And if you just go for a, a bachelor's degree in that, there's not many jobs. You majored in something better that had a direct line to a job after that. So I imagine that person is doing the co-op and they think they have a reasonable chance of hiring you after it. So it's mutually beneficial. They're helping you out. And you might have a job lined up after that, where for me, there was no chance that was ever going to happen. The only thing that was in store for me was more school. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Interesting. But I've also heard one other thing, which I think is pretty cool, and it's kind of along the same lines of your co-op. Uh, students who are going for majors in demand, and these are... And I think it's only associated with certain schools. These companies will pay for their education, and then the company gets like 10% of your salary for like your first 10 years of work. And mm. and that might totally be worthwhile if you're going to Stanford and your education might cost $250,000, but you know you're going to come out making a, a huge amount of money. Why, uh, why not? I'm not sure what the fine details are on this. For example, what happens if you get out of school and decide you want to become a monk? I imagine you still oh, those people, something. So tread carefully. Yeah. Get 10% of like a very small amount or whatever. Yeah. And and like I said, I mean, I, I have a lot of pride from it, but, you know, some people maybe wouldn't get that. Maybe it would be more of a struggle. Yeah. I wonder if you have to work for something, I think you definitely appreciate it more. I had the crappiest car, my first car, but I paid for that sucker. So you can bet I, I took real good care of it. And then I had a friend who had a lot of money whose parents bought him a, a brand new car. And I learned what a neutral drop is. Have you ever heard this term, Doug? I Go, go ahead and explain it. It's when you stick your car in neutral, you rub the engine up, and then you throw the thing and drive if it's an automatic transition transmission. This is not a good idea. And I would have never done that with my own car because I knew I had to work so hard for it. But this kid, his parents paid for it and paid for all the repairs. So that car got, he beat the shit out of that thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough call. Um, so I guess y'all will figure it out. And actually, if people have opinions on this, what you're going to do with your own child's education, obviously it could be a huge expense, but I mean, if I had kids, I would potentially guide them into the trades, craft and entrepreneurship. I mean, it seems like a much better path than going to college, depending on what a person wanted to do. If like they really had their heart set on being like an engineer for some fucking reason, like maybe go for it. But I mean, there's a lot of other stuff you can do. It, I just know a lot of engineers that are just not happy doing that stuff or IT professionals in general. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'll close with saying it annoys me that uh, university has become this sacred cow. We put it on this platform and you hear people say, oh my God, you're not going to find a way to pay for your kid's college. You're Satan or something like that. Like, no, no, I just, 
I want to have to have skin in the game, and I don't think college is all it's cracked up to be. There are so many other good options and so many ways to make money, like perhaps starting a YouTube channel. And the next question, also from MindSpeaksFI, what things should I keep in mind when discussing a trust with a lawyer? Apparently, MindSpeaks now has a legal plan through his employer so he can get this done. So, Doug, have you ever discussed a trust? No, I haven't. I don't even know um, like what I would do with that, but I'm interested. Have you thought about a trust? I have thought about it, but that's about all I've done, which is pretty silly because we have two children. Um, so, yeah, I did do a little bit of research before this, and I have talked to other people about it. And it, it by the way, it is on our list of things to do for 2022. Mindy wants to have it done by the end of January. We'll see if that happens. But from other people who have done it and from the basics I've read is there are some very important people you designate in your trust to manage your money. And I would just say put a ton of thought into who you choose for those people because you want to make sure they know your goals and you want to make sure they're not going to try to do anything nefarious. I would probably lay everything out in the most detail possible and just have someone who you can really trust. In my example, we have some money. I would want to make sure it's distributed to the kids, but distributed to them effectively. I don't want to dump a million dollars on our kid when they're 18 years old. That probably wouldn't be such a hot idea. But in the meantime, I also want to make sure that money is invested correctly. I'd probably just do the Warren Buffett and say, stick it all in index funds. So yeah, I think that's probably the most important part for us based on my very limited knowledge to just choose your people very, very carefully. Who are you going to choose? Do you know? <laughs> am, I, am, I on the, am I on the list? Like, How close are we? Yeah, you you actually might be, Doug. We had one person selected, and then uh, to take care of our our children, <laughs> and then that went south. So yeah, Doug, you might uh, you might be on the list, but don't worry, we'd we'd give you some money to buy pop tarts and pretzels and chicken nuggets and macaroni and cheese and everything. They we could help you finish out your basement and tell them not to fight. Like fighting is not allowed. Do not talk back to Doug or Elizabeth. Do not pester Georgie the dog. Yeah, we'll, we'll lay it all out very clearly. Georgie is a pretty good guardian as well. I mean, she can watch over a herd, so she's good. All right, well, just keep me posted. Let me know when I need to sign stuff or whatever. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Doug. Okay, and let's see here. Next question is from Zachary. So this is kind of current event stuff, but I think some of the ideas will transfer in the future, most likely. So why did Vanguard target date funds issue massive capital gains, gains distributions at the end of 2021? So this is pretty interesting, and I had no idea what the reason for this is. I don't really know how distributions work with mutual funds in general. I just haven't paid attention to it. And what I learned is most mutual funds do pay capital gains at the end of the year because there are some movement with their holdings and they have to pay the, the capital gains per the tax law. But this year, Vanguard had super high capital gains distributions, and but there's a very specific reason for it. So I was reading, and this pertains to the 2040 fund, in 2021, they had 1.4 billion of of inflow. So people, hold on, let me make sure I got this number right. Yeah, it was about 1.4 billion. So, oops, I'm sorry, it was actually 1.2 billion. So that means the fund had 1.2 billion dollars of additional investment. 
In 2040, they saw $9.8 billion of outflow, which left them with about $30 billion in assets. So about a quarter of the people left the fund, and no one knows why that is. So that's a whole other topic for conversation. But when that happens, the fund has to sell assets to pay these people who are who are redeeming their shares, hence the capital gains. Okay. That makes sense. So a quarter of the people left that fund? Yeah, they left the 2040 fund. And 2040 is like 20 years out. So it'd be pretty interesting to know why they left that fund. It, it was a really good year for capital gains or for stock market appreciation. I don't know if that has anything to do with it. But yeah, a full quarter of people. How do you go from an inflow one year to an outflow the next year? And last year was a good year for the markets too. So I don't know what happened. Where did you get the data to know that a quarter of the people left the fund? Uh, this is in Van- this is on the Vanguard website. We will post a link to it in the show notes. And were there other funds that saw a sort of large increase? Did they go somewhere specific or they just went to random other places unknown? I don't know. That is a really good question and one I should have researched but did not. I know Vanguard's Core index offerings have done really well, just the VTSAX, but I do not know what their stats were for 2021. Yeah. Yeah, it was a crazy year. Do you know like the percentage that your net worth was up um, in 2021, just roughly? Um, Yeah, it was probably up between 30 and 40%, which was great. If you just had your money in the S&P 500, you were up 26 or 27%. Uh, We had a bunch in Tesla and Alphabet, which both did super well. Yeah. So crazy. Yeah. How about you, Doug? Yeah. I think it was like 25%, something like that, 23, 25. So we don't have any individual funds or a very small number of individual funds. So, or uh, individual stocks rather. Uh, so mostly index funds. So, you know, it's a little, little more balanced and when you uh, when you say th- what you say thirty five forty percent, it's like man, that's insane, dude. That's crazy. Yeah, it, it was crazy. It was a lot higher too in November. It was super high, and then Elon Musk announced he was selling Tesla shares. So it would have been another two to three hundred thousand higher if he would not have done that. But yeah, it's crazy. By the way, I don't advocate buying individual stocks anymore, and we do not do that. These were bought many years ago, like twenty twelve, and we bought Alphabet in two thousand four when it IPO'd. So, man, yeah, it's a lot riding on those. When are you, when you going to diversify and get out? It's hard because if you sell, especially if you've had a big run-up, you pay capital gains. So we have started to sell. We have, we have a bunch of Facebook, too. We have like 1,400 shares of that. We used to have 2,000, so we've sold a little bit of that. But that's had a nice run-up, too. Uh, I, the risk you run, though, if you're afraid of capital gains and continue to hold these, is that the stock eventually goes to zero, and they probably all will at some point. Mm-hmm. Probably not anytime soon, but like Facebook is social media, and uh, like I've got young kids, they hate Facebook. Like, Dad, that's for old people. I'm like, oh shit, and we hold this stock. This doesn't bode well for us. Yeah. Well, and we don't have to go down this full rabbit hole here, but. Yeah, actually, I won't even bring it up. It is too big of a tangent. So really, now I'm kind of curious. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll save it for another Q and A. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. So next question from Kyle Landis. That's how you say his last name, right? I think so. I hope so. All right. Yeah, this is our buddy from uh, Cincinnati, and um, he has a book. What's what's it called? Do you? Um, I do not know what it's called, but if you go to his site, personalfinanceauthor.com, 
you could see it. And I've actually been reading it, so it's kind of weird that I don't know the name of it. It, it is a very good book. Kyle is a very fun person, and the book is a very fun read. So personalfinanceauthor.com. We'll put that in the show notes as well. Yep. And I actually have it on the shelf, but I haven't uh, I haven't opened it yet. But Kyle, I will, and we'll be in touch. So great question. Uh, what are Doug's favorite microbrews this year? And you can share yours as well. I'm glad that Kyle singled me out on this one, but we're interested in yours. Um, I listed a few here and I mean, honestly, I kind of had to think about it a little bit more, but number one, hands down, was the Carl beer. And that was one we enjoyed in Austin. It was a, a fizzy yellow beer and it tasted just how you would think Carl would taste. We should have brought the cannon for a visual display. That was a Kulsh right from some Austin brewery. Yeah. And I have a picture. I will post that on Instagram and so check out my Instagram and, and Carl's as well. We'll we'll get that shared out there. Um, another that I'll note before I send it to Carl is Bozeman Brewing. So I spent time with the barrel wrangler there, Ryan Beal, good friend of mine. And when we were up in Bozeman, we crashed at his place and it was a blast drinking some of those barrel aged beers. So he is the barrel wrangler. He makes the sour beers and blends them. And it was, you know, just so much fun to drink it with a person that created those beers. And one of my other favorites from Bozeman Brewing is the Plum Street Porter. And it's also sort of cooler weather right now. And I always drink with the seasons. And that's a nice, nice porter that I love to have this time of year. So any beers on your list? I went through this and there's so many good ones. I have two thoughts on this. I had a Russian River Pliny the Elder, which is uh, a very highly regarded beer. I think it rates 100 on rate beer. And when I first had that, I'm like, oh my God, this is an epiphany. It's so good. And then I had it a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, you know, it's it's good. But if someone just handed this to me, I don't know if I'd appreciate it as much as I did back then. I, I know I wouldn't because I, I did it now. And the whole beer scene is has grown up. It's super good. And so much competition and super sophisticated. And I'm not the best judge of this kind of thing. I like to eat at Taco Bell. So there you have it. But <laughs> the one that stood out to me was one from Cerebral in Denver. Have you been there before, Doug? Or? I haven't. No. Yeah. I, I like it a lot because they have a science theme. I'm a science person. So they serve beer and like, and like uh, beakers. Oh, that's nice. So they serve beer and scientific instruments and the whole thing. That is their theme. They had one called... Scam Likely, which was a Nectaron beer, whatever that means. And I thought that was super tasty. Nice. And I'll, I'll throw out a couple others here. And actually, and I'll, I'll preface by saying that um, I have been just trying to drink like local beers for the most part, because we have so many good ones in Colorado and are just basically our neighborhood. I'm, I try to get stuff that's like really local, knowing that like, the people that work there are the neighbors and, you know, we're around here. So I don't need to buy beer from far away. That said, <clears throat> one that I didn't put on here was um, Sweetwater, uh, their Imperial IPA. Like Sweetwater is from the Atlanta area and it's a brewery that was just a couple miles away from Georgia Tech where I went to school. So I've, I drank a ton of their beer. So I was like, oh, I'll grab that one. Uh, a couple other notables. We got Wibby Brewing. They're Double Dunkel. That's a lager brewery here in Longmont, just a few steps away. Uh, New Belgium 
their triples are great. I mean, I like several other beers, but I like a triple and they have one with a uh, honey orange uh, or orange honey in there. And that's, you know, just a little more special than the regular triple. And finally, uh, Funkworks. I've had a keg of Funkworks, uh, Saison and or Tropic King, which is like a super Saison uh, for probably the last six months. So I have an empty keg. I need to go up to Fort Collins yeah. soon. So I have one follow-up question for you. You mentioned the Carl beer, which actually is a beer from Austin. If there was a beer named Doug, and there very well may be, I didn't research this ahead of time, what kind of beer would you be, Doug? There is. I have a picture of like a, a can. It's called Doug Ferocious, like Doug Douglas Fir. And I think it was a Scotch ale. I think it was a Scotch ale, that specific one. But if I had to choose the kind of beer, I would probably choose like a Belgian Golden Strong, which is like a Duvel. They always have a devil name, you know? It's a, it's a great beer, very light um, and usually relatively high alcohol. And, and it's just an easy drinking beer or a Belgian Dark Strong. I like Belgian beers. Cool. So, okay. Next question here. It's from Anonymous. What was the best part of 2021 for you both, personal or professional or both? I'll start out. I'll say my professional one, and that was giving the talk at Economy. Every time I public speak, I think I become a better person. My confidence is a little bit higher. I read some quote a couple months ago, and it was really good. It said, Going through life with a lack of confidence is like driving a car with a handbrake on. It's just this tremendous drag around your whole life because it kind of your the degree of confidence you have in life kind of informs everything you do. You're going to act differently to people. You're going to do things different if you have a little bit of confidence. And there's a fine balance because you, you don't want to be overconfident either. Those type of people become assholes. So yeah, economy was my favorite professional part of 2021. Nice. Mine kind of blend together a little bit, personal and, and professional. And I really enjoyed, you know, number one, working with you and doing the podcast. And I'm a little sad that you didn't, it wasn't a big deal for you, but I'm just kidding. So this has been really fun, but it also got me out to some of the events like Economy or Camp Fi or FinCon. And I met a lot of people. So that was a personal thing for me and, and people that I'm in touch with and I can send texts to and I'm friends with just in, in general now, not just because, you know, we were at the conference. So that was that was really pretty amazing and personal and professional, definitely blended together. And then I think the other area which I've alluded to a few times is I've just been lazier and I've enjoyed not being as maybe rushed, even if I don't, I mean, I've worked for myself for a few years and I would just stack things up, right? You can always make a to-do list that you're never going to be able to finish. So I just started doing less and everything's fine. I'm less stressed out and I'm happier. So I think I'm going to keep on moving with that. I don't think I'm going to go so far that um, I'm like, I'll just say too lazy. I'm not sure how to describe that, but I mean, I don't want to like lay around all day. I mean, I, I do stuff, but I just haven't been taking on as many things to make me stressed out. So being lazy has proven to be uh, really wonderful. 
Okay. So was that a personal or professional or both? That is both also. So that is both also. And I think, you know, now that I do work for myself, like everything does blend together. And I know, you know, kind of probably the goal should be to do work that you don't feel like you have to retire from. And I think that's kind of what I've created. So it's, it doesn't feel like work and a lot of it's pretty fun. Like I'm trying to work on fun projects, not things that I dread. Why? Yeah. Why would I even work on that stuff? And I, I have to ask myself that because I occasionally I'm like, oh, is that a good opportunity? I'm not, I'm not sure. Should I check that out or not? And usually now I'm like, ah, oh, you know what? I'll say no for now. And then if it keeps coming up, like maybe I could think about it. But typically those end up not being a good opportunity. Yeah. You have to have balance. I think about this frequently because there's a lot of people, wife Minnie works for Bigger Pockets. And there's people on there who say, oh, my goal is to own a thousand doors. Like they want a thousand rental properties. And I'm like, why? You have like 25 now and you're making like $25,000 a month. Like you're super loaded. You, you have more money. So at what point does it stop being something that adds to your happiness and becomes an ego trip? Like when does that flip? I think people who say they want a thousand doors, it's more of an ego thing. And that's not a recipe for happiness. Yep. And the analogy that I run into, which I have to, you know, watch myself because it's easy to see like other people ahead of you. And you, I mean, it's very natural to compare yourself to other folks. And I would listen to podcasts and they're like, oh yeah, how do you get, you know, a seven, eight figure business? And I'm like, oh, sh should I be doing that? Am I missing out by not trying to grow like much bigger and have a team and all that stuff? And then I realized, well, I don't want to do that. That's crazy. I don't need that much. I don't need that much money and it sounds stressful. So I don't, like you said, I don't know what I would get out of it if I was making a lot more. Yeah. I mean, probably the best life advice is to try to figure out where your needs and happiness end and where your ego starts because there's a big difference there. And yeah, it's not a recipe for happiness. I had some other thought on that that I was going to say, and now I cannot remember. It was going to mm -hmm. be great though, Doug. I'm, I'm sure it'll come back, but... It's good. If I could give anyone advice, it's it would be that, like, try to let go of your ego, try to do stuff that truly, you're doing it just for you and not for the appreciation of others. I heard a great Buddhist quote, I think. That's what someone attributed to, at least on Twitter. It said, I shouldn't be disturbed by the criticism of others, just as I should not be happy from the accolades of others. Like, I thought that was really good because a lot of times we seek that external gratification, but that's toxic too. Like you should just be in it for yourself. Yep. That is a good one. You saved it. Nice job. All right. Got another one here and let's see. This is uh, from my buddy Quentin actually. So I've had three friends that hit seven figures net worth. So a million or more and all were making 20,000 per month and invested riskily in crypto. So is a high salary necessary for fire or becoming a millionaire and going kind of along that path? So what, what do you think, Carl? Is that what you've seen? Number one, I don't think I've ever heard the word riskily before in my life. Not that I'm questioning you, Doug. You probably have more sophisticated grammar than me. But you said they were making... I guess first, let's back up a second. Did they make their seven-figure net worth because of crypto and those kind of investments? 
I believe so. Okay. That was implied. Yeah. If you're making 20000 a month, that's $240,000 a year. That's a whole crap ton of money. If you just put that in VTSAX, you would become a millionaire pretty soon as well. So what was he originally? Oh, but then is a high salary necessary? No, I, I don't think it is, but it's definitely going to take you longer. It depends on how hard you want to work, right? Like if you've got some crappy job, then you got to do a side hustle or find some way to house hack or, or do some other stuff. It's not just going to come to you. But yeah, a, a high salary does not hurt. Yeah, definitely. It makes it a lot easier. And I mean, the thing that I've seen now being part of the FI community is, I mean, there's a lot of people with just regular uh, non-high-paying jobs. And I, I don't even know what we classify as like a high-paying job. I mean, I guess it's a it just depends on who's using the term, like how they define it. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you consistently invest, you're probably going to be okay. Um, it's when I think about it, and I think when I was like maybe 20 or so, or in my 20s in general, and I'm like, wow, like a million dollars. Like, I'm going to sound like an asshole uh, just to let everybody know a million dollars, that's so much money. But then if you look at like 20 years making, say, 80K or so, and you're investing a reasonable amount, like it's kind of hard not to hit, especially in the market that we've had in the last 30 years or so, it's kind of hard not to hit a million. Again, I know it sounds like an asshole thing to say, but like consistency over time, like really pays off. And it's just a, a math problem to work out. It's just a matter of time before, you know, Quentin's going to hit it. And, you know, everyone has different expenses. Like if you have a bigger family, like I, I have no kids, so that makes it much easier. But yeah, when you look at the math, high salary, definitely not necessary. Definitely makes it easier though. Yeah, I was talking to someone, and this kind of surprised me. Do you know what the poverty line is in Boulder County, where we're at with the level? We were talking about health insurance, and I think it's between sixty and $70,000. Wow. And the thought I had was like, wow, we, we pretty much, we cover all of our basic expenses with it. Uh, and we could probably pay our mortgage with that too. But then again, we bought our house a while ago. So there, there's so many variables to these types of things. Like I think 70000 would be a ton to live on in Boulder County if you owned your house outright or if you have a very small house payment. However, if you're starting off now and want to live here, uh, housing has gotten very expensive and will probably get worse with the fires and with uh, with other factors. So then the $70,000 isn't as meaningful to you. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, going... Going down that route, obviously very important to understand the cost of living of the geography. So yeah, it's fairly expensive to live around here and a lot of other big cities. But you know, you can go to you know one of the one of the cities that actually you know they they want people to move there. They want entrepreneurs to move there, and they'll pay you whatever, like 10K to live there for a year and run your business or something like that. Have you seen some of those deals? I have. Uh, Vermont has one. I think someplace in Kansas might have one. Iowa, maybe. Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's definitely ways, you know, not only like the house hacking and some specific things, but if you, um, if you find one of those opportunities and you're like, oh, you know what? Like, uh, I, I like that part of the country anyway, and it looks like it's an up and coming place. I mean, a lot of times those sorts of places will end up being sort of like a, or they can become a hub for like art and creative endeavors because it's cheap to live there. And people that are creative sometimes go and there's sort of a, a like a nucleus and, and 
tipping point where it becomes like a cool place to go. I can't think of any place like that specifically, but you know what I'm talking about though, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, like Portland might've been like that 20 years ago or something. I know both Portlands actually have be become hyped up and I think people are talking about Detroit in that respect. And yeah, there's all these little great places. I, uh, there's a place, Traverse City, maybe in Michigan that people talk about that with, but yeah, there's lots of good places. I think uh, you don't have to live on a coast or in Colorado to be happy. Like Wisconsin, where we came from, was pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I mean for me, I think you could plot me down just about anywhere and I'll be okay. Like it's more about like the little neighborhood that I'm in. I will say seeing the mountains is just fucking awesome. I love that versus, you know, back in Atlanta, there's just a lot of trees and a lot of traffic. But that's what I remember from Atlanta. Yeah. People like it though. People yeah. still move there and I don't know. Anyway, sorry to shit on Atlanta there, but <laughs> okay. Anything else on that on that thought? I don't think so. Okay. And, and the last thing I'll mention is the crypto. And it sounds like maybe, actually, I'm going to dissect the question just a little bit more. So 20K per month. Yeah. I mean, basically you will hit a million dollars at 20K a month before too long. It just takes a few years. And I think the investing in crypto was just lucky timing by those folks. And I'm curious, um, depending on what the business was where they were making 20K, there could be a lot of ups and downs. If they were entrepreneurs and you're and they hit 20K really fast, if, if you hit some revenue quickly, it's easy to lose it quickly also. Not always, but typically, if, if you can get there fast, that means your competitors can get there fast. And it's a little bit more difficult to hang on to your spot. So there's a lot more nuance into this question, I think. But no, I think consistency and like a long-term investing vision gets you there. Okay. So uh, next question, Carl, I'll let you ask this one here. Uh, this one came from a friend of Doug and I's, and his name is JT, and he said, Doug noted a lot of things for Carl to do. And by the way, this was a past podcast where we talked about New Year's resolutions for each other. So JT said, Doug noted a lot of things for Carl to do, but doesn't do them himself. What's up with that? Yeah. How did it feel when I was telling you all, all the things? Was it was it more like, hey, these are good ideas and um, like I'll, I'll pick the the one or two? Or were you thinking it was like a laundry list of things to do? Uh, I thought it was a laundry list of things to do. Okay. And I had never considered, I just assumed you had done all of these things too. Okay. Do you like how I deflected that immediately? Didn't even try to answer the question. Yeah, yeah. So, nice. so I, I didn't intend for it to be that way. So apparently it did come off that way. And I have now started doing all of those things. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. So it was really, I, I thought of it more like, you know, you could pick the ones that you you feel like you, number one, want to do and that are doable, right? Like I try to aim for things that are sustainable versus like something I, I can only do for like two weeks and then like revert back to my bad habits or whatever. The other part is I have done like those things for long periods of time, like through the last several years. 
I haven't kept all of them up for whatever reason, like meditation, I think is one that we talked about and I didn't get a ton out of it. And I think I have like comparable periods of time where I'm self-reflective or try not to get distracted, that sort of thing. So the other part is, yeah, maybe I just, I thought of so many things that you can improve about yourself that uh, I just... And I just I just picked the the best ten, you know. There there were so many more on the list. Yeah, I, I think I saw there was hundreds on there. <laughs> yeah, so I'm sorry I didn't mean for it to come off like that. And it was more like, hey, maybe you could pick like one or two to do this year that you're into. But um, I did get something out of each one of the times that I tried to you know do one of those self improvement things or whatever. So. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't mean for it to sound like that. And I, I'm trying to remember, like you had a couple for me and one, I was actually about to do an open mic um, like a week ago, but with some of the COVID stuff going around and the busyness of, you know, between Christmas and New Year's, I was like, ah, you know what? We'll scrap it. But I was about to do an open mic. I had a couple songs to uh, to do. <laughs> We will do the open mic, and that will be awesome. Hopefully, we can put a snippet of that on YouTube. But when I have a comment about this, too. When JT said this to me, I didn't really think anything bad about you recommending stuff, even if you – just because you haven't done it, it doesn't mean that you don't know it can't add value to my life. So I didn't take offense to that at all, and I didn't even think about it until JT brought it up. But since he brought it up, I guess now I kind of think you're an asshole, but – I guess I always thought that, though. <laughs> yeah. Nothing changed. Yeah. And I'm consistent. You know, I am consistent. Well, and, and when you mentioned that JT said that, and sorry I missed JT at dinner that time, but basically I was like, oh, yeah, you know what? You're right. And I, and I do want to put it in. I want to address the haters. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I want, I want to address it because I, I realized that I did come with, like, several things. And I, and I was like, no, I don't do that. Nope. No. No. <laughs> Nope, not that one either. I, I literally do none of this shit on that list. <laughs> I, I kind of want to throw it back on JT, actually, because he works for a company um, that I know pretty well. So I always ask him questions, and he does a very specific thing for this company. So I'll I'll say, oh, yeah, what do you think about this and this and this? He's like, I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. I don't, I don't pay any attention to this. So I know far more about his company that he works for that he's been with for years than, than he knows about the company which I thought is kind of strange, but he just likes to do this specific task he does for the company. And I guess he doesn't care about anything else, but I don't know. Maybe that's a bad analogy, but. Yeah. What's up with that, JT? Come on. Maybe we could have JT on sometime. We'll talk after. All right. And we get the final question here. You want to read this one? Yeah, this is probably my favorite one. And this is from Stop Ironing Shirts. This is from Twitter, but he also has a blog, which I think is at stopironingshirts.com. We will put that in the show notes. But Mr. Stop Ironing Shirts says, what have you found value in spending money on after you've exceeded your FI goal? I retired early, almost three years ago, but still have some income opportunities. With And with these market gains, we're now way over our FI number. Eventually, inflation will pressure us, but we're not spending more yet. So Mr. Stop Ironing Shirts wants to know what he should spend money on. Mm. Well, I think, you know, probably in one of the earlier episodes, I highlighted that I, I'm not super frugal and I do enjoy spending occasionally. So for me, this past year... 
I bought a lot more guitars and I bought very expensive guitars too. And it was fun. I liked searching for them and checking them out and like learning the history. I bought some older guitars um, and it was, it was awesome. I had a good time with it. The key thing, you know, we can't just buy stuff and make ourselves happy generally, but the, the things that I purchased allow me to do an activity which I really enjoy, which is, you know, learn music and, you know, just enjoy music. And I'm listening to more music and using that part of my brain. So I've really enjoyed that. And then the, I can think of a few others, but I'll, I'll send it to you. Cause I, I haven't exceeded my five number as much as, as you have. Do you care to share how much your most expensive guitar cost? Yeah, it was, I think it was like 2,800 bucks. Holy it was the shit. Gibson. Whoa. Yeah. I thought it was like $800, $2,800. Was it worth it? Yeah, yeah. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. Okay. And I was going to say, after I got that one, I got tipped off to some of the like pre-war models of Gibsons and Mar Martins are a little harder to find. And I was kind of looking for Gibsons specifically, but some of those like pre-war, so before 1940, 1941, whatever, um, those guitars are awesome. I mean, they're almost a hundred years old. Some of the woods that they used to make those guitars were already very old when they used them. So they sound amazing. And some of those costs, you know, on the low end, maybe like 3000 bucks if they're really beat up, but up to maybe like 10 K. So I was looking in the, you know, five to $8,000 range for like a 90 year old guitar, which, you know, at some point I may get, I'd I don't think, I mean, I'll have to play some open mics to make it worth it. Otherwise I'm just messing around here in the basement, but yeah, I mean, they're, they can get very expensive and you know, a lot of it you're paying for the, the name and the heritage and the history and the story behind it. Like, like many things that are expensive like that. Yeah. I follow guitars, not as closely as you, but I know some of those like original Gibson Les Pauls from the fifties, like the, I think they call them sunbursts. They're beautiful, beautiful instruments. And I think some of those have gone for like over a hundred thousand dollars. And I guess, like you said, it depends on the lineage who might've owned this thing and played it, but. Yeah, it's really, it's crazy. I mean, but you could really tell the difference. Uh, I, I haven't, I don't know if I've done like a head to head, but I did get a, it's sort of like an off, off brand of Gibson. So it's called Recording King, but it is a 1939 Recording King guitar and i mean like it feels so light and it's so like resonant like you could really tell the difference between the old wood and the old guitar versus like the new one e even the very nice one i mean they sound completely different in their their own ways but like when the wood ages it just it changes it yeah yeah and the amazing thing with these is you're not buying them to sit on a shelf i remember reading something about slash he bought one of these les paul things and he said he was having a, a bad time on stage and he wanted to to pull a who and smash his instrument but he's like hey, i was playing my my 59 like les paul and all that but it's pretty cool that like guns and roses they're playing this mostly original instrument that came out like 60 years ago or whatever like he's playing the concert on stage with that thing it is insane yeah it's, it's so much fun and um we're actually going to see slash in uh 
like a few weeks. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if there's more tickets. I'll let you know. But what have you figured out to spend money on? Oh, hi. What do you recommend? I thought this was a great question because I like questions that are not easy to answer. And this one was very, very difficult. I had to wander around thinking long and hard. And I still don't know if my answers are the best. But I came up with three different categories. And one was stuff I hate doing. And this is stuff I would have done before because I was frugal and wanted to maximize my money and invest it all. But since I have the money to pay for it now, I should because I can't stand doing it. And that thing is working on cars. Like I've rebuilt an engine before and I'll still do brakes and minor stuff. Like I changed my own oil, but one of our cars needed a new radiator. I'm like, screw it, 400 bucks, like take it, do it. Another one needed a timing belt and I could have done that. And that was like six or 700 bucks, but I do not want to be in the garage, especially now it's like 14 degrees outside working on. And we have old shitty cars, which is miserable. You try to get the, the nut off and it, strips out and it's just lots of profanity. The kids learn new words. My knuckles are bloody and I'm unhappy at the end of the day. So stuff you don't like doing is something that you should definitely pay for. Like if you don't like cleaning your house, hire a cleaning company. Whatever the thing is that you don't like, I think you should pay someone to do it. So that was category number one. Are there any things you hate doing that you pay someone to do? I not. Yes, there are Nothing's coming to mind specifically, but, you know, one thing that you, you do is like the renovations on your home. And I have some interest in learning some of that stuff, but as, as this year has gone by, I'm like, you know what? I don't care to learn all the things. I know I'm going to make mistakes along the way and that's how you learn, but I'm not at a spot where I'm like, I want to finish the basement. I would rather just pay like much, much more to have someone else like do it and think about it. And I mean, we eventually, whenever we do finish the basement, we probably will pay someone. I won't do it. So yeah, just certain pieces where even if I do have a little interest and I think I do want to learn, I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm out. Like, I I don't want to do it. Yeah. And in that particular instance, there's a lot of learning curve and you have to acquire tools. And the first time you do something, it's not going to be that hot, especially if it's a one-time thing, like finishing your basement, you'd probably do it once and then you're not going to move. So you might never do it again. So what is really the point, unless you really, really want to finish your basement? Yeah. And I mean, quick little example, like I would maybe put in the flooring because I did flooring at our old home in Bozeman. So like I know how to put in like laminate flooring and, you know, deal with quarter round and like some of the other stuff because I made the mistakes already at that house and I have like the tools to do that job. So like I I could maybe do that, but like framing stuff out and whatever, like I don't want to do it. Yeah. It would be nice, Doug, and maybe I'll add this as another goal for you for 2022, as nice as the Doug dungeon is right now. It'd be kind of nicer if it was finished off, like a little water dispenser on the wall, like uh, some some of those foam mats to deflect the noise. Not, not that this is bad, Doug, but yeah, I'm going to put that on my 2022 list f- for you. Yeah, it would. I mean, we are thinking about it. We are thinking about it. We can have a urinal right, right there under the camera. Oh my God, that'd be awesome. Definitely going to be a urinal down here. That'll be such a luxury. <laughs> Would Elizabeth approve of a urinal? Or? I don't have to check with her. She doesn't listen to the show. <laughs> no, she wouldn't. <laughs> to answer your question. I, I, um, I do know a couple people who actually have urinals in their house. Nice. They're all from Mindy's side of the family. No, no judgment. 
Okay. So any other things that I have, like another another thought here, but yeah, did you have any other for what I, to spend money on? I, I actually have two more categories. How do you want to do this, Doug? You want to... I'll, I'll throw mine out and it's just convenience. Like if you can buy back some time in some way, and, and you gave some examples like, you know, cleaning your house or um, maybe like washing the car or just things to save you time. If you have like hit your FI number and you're still applying like your um, maybe like the frugal threshold or how much you're paying for something or how you value your time, like if you can buy back some time to do um, like any other activity that you enjoy and like have someone else deal with the stuff that you don't enjoy, like you were talking about, um, that's great. Like go ahead and pay for it. It's a great deal to buy back some time. Yeah. What's an example of something you've bought that has done that for you? I should have had an example ready. Um, we don't we don't order delivery food often, but we're about to get snow here. Um, we're about to get a few inches of snow in the next day or so. So I could see it being really convenient to just like have someone else drive through the snow and the cold and all that. And we could stay in our warm house. So we probably won't do that because actually kind of like driving around in the snow, but that, that could be an example to just, you know, save some time, save some hassle and not worry about it. Maybe like deliver groceries or something. Like if I'm just like, ah, I don't want to drive around right now, I will just pay for it. Now, as I'm thinking about a couple other things, and like I said, we're going to a, a show before too long. And, you know, maybe I would have been like, I don't want to pay so much for a drink there. And I don't want to pay so much for the the meal near the venue. But now I'm like, oh, you know what? It's okay to eat out every once in a while. Um, I, I enjoy cooking quite a bit and we eat in a lot and it's a great way to save money. But going out occasionally, like I'm much more likely to splurge and say, you know what? I'm in, I'm not going to watch um, what I'm ordering as much and I'll order exactly what I want. I'll get like extra cheese on there or wh- whatever. I'm, I'm assuming whatever I order has cheese on there. So I need extra. Dude, that's like two bucks. Yeah. Or like, yeah, throw on some uh, avocado on there. Like another three fucking dollars. Get the luxury at Chipotle. Whenever you ask for the guacamole, I think they're they have to tell you there's an additional charge for it. There was a funny meme about it oh, yeah. somewhere. And they, they don't even give you chips there, right? No. You gotta they order don't. them. Yeah, you have to yeah. pay extra. Premium. But if you go to Chipotle before your slash concert, go for the guacamole, go for the chips, go for the extra cheese. Do the whole thing. Yeah. Get the sour cream. <laughs> All right, what what are yours? So I had two more. And the funny thing was the next one was pretty much along the same lines as you just said. And what I wrote here were things that make my day-to-day life better and more efficient. And they make my life better by making it more efficient. So I had a couple examples. Like I love noise-canceling headphones because we like to I like to take walks and I can knock out a podcast while I'm taking a fast walk. So I'm knocking out two things at once. I like a phone with a really good camera. I like to take pictures. And if I had to remember to take a camera everywhere I went, I would take like three pictures the whole year because I would never remember to bring the camera. But phone cameras are so good. You really don't need that anyway. I've got a MacBook Pro that that sucker was over 2000 bucks, but I bought it back in 2014. I maxed out all the specs on it, like 16 gigs of RAM. And the thing still works fine. It's never had... Any issue except when I dumped my fitness shake on the keyboard, which we won't talk about. (laughs) 
other than that, it's been great. And that was my fault. Um, an air fryer. Those things are awesome. You could put your nuggets in there and it tastes just like the fried stuff that you would get at your, you love Chick-fil-A, Doug. It tastes just like Chick-fil-A, I think. Wow. And I think Costco even has a new nugget. I saw an article popped up in my feed saying, this nugget tastes just like the Chick-fil-A nugget. So if you had an air fryer, it would do that for you. And it's fast and, oh, they're so good. And in an Instapot, like to cook rice and potatoes with. So all those things make my day-to-day life a little bit better, easier, more efficient, and more fun. They're time savers, and they improve my life. And they don't cost that much either. Air fryer is like 50 bucks. Nice. Yeah, those seem very popular. Yeah, we don't have an air fryer or an Instapot, but people seem to love them. You are missing out. Yeah, I am. I am missing out. Yeah, those are great. Those are great. Any any others? Uh... I, I had one more thought on this whole question. Do you have anything else before I go? No, bring it home. Yeah, I thought the number one thing is, and this is like the extravagant part of it, because the funny thing is most of the stuff we've said so far, they're like cheap things, right? We just want our time back. We want our lives to be efficient and easy, like... There's people who don't have our money that also have air fryers. So, and apparently you don't have one yet. So you're missing out. And the whole the whole auto repair people, I would guess most people probably don't even do their own brakes or change their own oil on their car. But the one extravagant thing I thought was creating ways to meet up with like old friends and and fun people, and that might be. Well, I'll back up a second. I don't really like the word travel. We've talked about this before. When I when Mitty and I go somewhere, we usually do it around people and not so much the place. So we'll go to Edinburgh, Scotland, because Brandon, the mad scientist, is there. And it's pretty cool to to be there, but it's cool to see an interesting place, an interesting person who can show you around and you have good conversations and a beer with an old friend. I'm going to San Diego in a couple of weeks, actually, and I'm not going to go to San Diego. I'm going to, to visit with an old friend and I'm going to work some other people into there as well. Uh, over Thanksgiving, I rented a house. I paid for the whole thing and just invited whatever family I wanted to go there. And it wasn't about being in Moab in this house. It was about spending that time with my family. So creating the conditions to spend time with people that I want to spend time with is probably the one extravagant thing I do. And I think I, I think we're both pretty fortunate. Like if there is something I want to buy that can make me happy, I'll go out and buy it. And maybe the only answer to that, you said nothing you can buy can make you happy, Doug. I think you kind of said that. But drugs are probably one thing that could make you happy. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a joke. Yeah. They might actually make you happy, but they're not a good long-term solution, the illegal kind. But if uh, seriously, though, if there's something that would make me happy, I'd just go and buy it instantly. And there just isn't that many. And I guess it kind of makes me sad, like maybe I should try harder, but I guess that what it really means is that we're in a good place. We have everything that we need. Like I'm happy with our, our cars, our house. I just don't need to upgrade anything in life. It's all good as it is. And I'm so thankful for that. Very lucky. Yeah. And I love the point of spending time with people and whether it's your family or friends or whatever, like, I mean, you could actually blow through money pretty quick that way, you know, traveling and getting flights and um, you know, having to buy food out. So if you're looking to spend more money, like doing that would probably get you there pretty quick. Um, renting a house, like that can be pretty expensive, especially if you're like, ah, let's hang out for, you know, a couple, three weeks or something like that. So that, that is really fun. And, and so, I mean, I feel like it's a lot more rewarding to do those experiences 
versus like if you bought a like a let's say you bought a brand new Tesla, right? You've been talking about it for years. You'd be worried about getting like a scratch on it or like some of the gravel and sand they throw on the roads to keep, um, you know, for traction in the, it's, it's all icy outside right now, by the way. So you'd be worried about like getting a scratch on your brand new fancy car, right? Yeah. So I would buy the Tesla, but only under one circumstance. I would buy one right now for, I'd pay a hundred thousand if it could drive itself. Because at that point, it's not the car. It's my convenience. I can say, hey, car, go take the kids to school, come back, uh, drive me to the grocery store. And then you, you have to have less cars. Well, that goes back to money. So that doesn't count. But it would make my life better and more efficient because we, we could have the car do things that I spend significant parts of my day doing right now. Like going to school and back is probably an hour of my time. And getting an hour back every day would, would be magical. Why don't you get an Uber? And just get them to drop your kids off. Save time. You won't have to hear all that wah, 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 in the car or whatever happens. Is that how it sounds? Uh, it does sound like that. Sometimes there's screaming. Sometimes there is violence. Uh, I don't think Uber will do it if you're under. I think you have to be 18 or over to use the Uber platform. Really? Yeah. Maybe there's an Uber kids out there, but it sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, know, you might attract the wrong kind of drivers. <clears throat> yeah. It's like a... So uh, yeah, that, that is a, that's an interesting idea. It's like Uber, but for kids. What if, what if it's kid drivers too? They have those little battery powered, like uh hot wheel or not hot wheels, but those little, uh, those little battery powered cars. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like a Barbie car. That's like one, uh, one fifth scale or whatever. One eighth scale. Yeah. yeah. We have the Greenway. I don't think you have to have a license to drive one of those on the Greenway. Yeah, they probably could. It would take them a long time to get to school because those <laughs> things don't go that fast. But I'll explore the idea. Maybe we could hot ride, hot ride, like put a different motor in there and put some lithium-ion batteries in there and yeah. it, it would haul ass. That's a good idea. That's a really good idea. All right, we'll, we'll look into that. I think, I think we reached the end, right? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, that's it. Very cool. So quick note, if you haven't joined our email list, you can go to milehighfi.club. And uh, you sign up, we send out like one or two emails per week and new for the new year. If you haven't noticed, we have two shows per week. So one on Tuesday and a shorter one on Friday. It's kind of a, we're, we're experimenting with the, the concept, but there's a second episode each week. So do let us know if you have suggestions or topic ideas, just shoot us an email. Yeah. And I would say, to these questions, if you have better answers, and we did set the bar pretty low, so I'm sure lots of you have better answers, uh, feel free to leave them in the YouTube comments. Or if you have an idea for questions for a future mailbag episode, send us an email, Doug at Mile High. What is Is it MileHighFiClub.com? MileHighFi.com. Okay. I think I told, I'm like, where is this email from this person? I told them the wrong address. Yeah. Okay. Doug or Carl at MileHighFi.com. <laughs> They'll figure it out. They can they can get a hold of us if they need to. So yeah. okay. Awesome. We'll catch y'all in the next episode. No sound checker. Actually, yeah, let's do a little one here. Um, how good of a dancer are you? I am a very poor dancer. I specifically planned my wedding so there would be no dancing at the wedding. It's like footloose. <laughs> I, I've never seen that movie, but I'm, is that movie about dancing? It is, right? You never saw Footloose? That's insane, man. That's yeah. crazy. Who, yeah. Who was in that? I it was uh, 
Kevin Bacon and I, I forget the other, I don't know the other people. Oh yeah. The, uh, the dad that was in third rock from the sun. I think that dude was in it. What's his name? John Lithgow. Yeah. I think he was in there too, but it was like a religious town. So they couldn't, they couldn't dance. Was, in the town. Was John Lithgow like the anti-dancing person? He seems like he would have fit that role. Yeah, he was. And uh, Kevin Bacon was, he, I think he moved from out of town. I, it's a spoiler alert for uh, like a 35-year-old movie or whatever. So I think, I think he moved into town and he was a bit of an outsider. And he wreaked havoc through the whole whole town. You got to check it out. So you're not that good of a dancer? No, a town with no dancing, though. I think I want to move there. But how are you as a dancer? Not good, man. Not good at all. But here's the thing. It was Elizabeth's birthday recently. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to buy... Um, I'm going to get her uh, like dancing. We'll get dancing lessons. And... She's skeptical. <laughs> She's skeptical that I could pull it off because occasionally, like, some music will be on. She's like, "Come on, dance! Like, move around!" And I, I like try to do something. And for the people watching on YouTube, like, I'm just moving my arms around. <laughs> like, it, it's not a dance. And it, she thinks I'm joking and messing around. But uh, yeah, that's I'm not very good. So I think we're. I think we're going to do some lessons and we're thinking it'd be fun to have you and Mindy come along too. So I'm going to, I'm going to talk to the, the dance instructor folks today. Would you guys be interested in checking it out? What's that? Uh, Derek Silver, Seavers, whatever the hell his name is. If it's not a, if it's not a hell yeah, it's a no, that, that one's a big hell no, Doug. But you're supposed to like try things that are new and outside of your like normal area. What if you find out you're like a really good, maybe like a, Hip hop dancer. Yeah, <laughs> I can't. I can't even get it out. <laughs> Number one, we would not find that out, and even even if it was the case, that skill would do me little. It would do me zero good in life. What kind of dancing would you like to be good at? <sighs> Break dancing, like oh, okay. all, all those spins where they're on their back and they're flipping around. Like that's pretty awesome. Like all that. <laughs> acrobatic shit but i'd probably break a hip or something at my advanced age yeah i think i think you can do it i think you can do it i think do you need like cardboard to like spin on or i i, I don't know much about break dancing <laughs> i think so but I, I actually have somewhere we just redid our kitchen so we have stacks of cardboard so i'll bring it over next time we'll set up a little thing here and uh i'll watch some youtube videos on it i would attempt that foolishly <laughs> I, and I joked, it's funny, we could do a whole show about um, just dancing and how we can't do it. But I also joked uh, that I would tell Elizabeth, like, hey, I'm going to be working down here. And she'd come down and work on her puzzle, her jigsaw puzzle down here, come around the corner. And I'm like working on dance moves, watching YouTube down here. I have like all the tables and studio moved out of the way. And I'm just dancing by myself. I, I have an idea, but I am going to, and I was going to tell you just now, but I'm going to surprise you with it in our next recording next week. Um, yeah, yeah, this is good. Oh, I'm, I'm going to make a note now. here. Yeah. All right. That was one of the best sound checks ever, I think.